1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode. <clears throat> Goodness gracious of the Fantasy Football Roundtable podcast. That I'm just so choked up to be back, guys. Missed an episode last week, and I can't contain my emotions. I it, thought is it was Monday. your
2: excitement about the NFC East. Just had you in the no, field. No,
1: I was choking, maybe on like the vomit when I realized the two teams that we're about to talk about in the NFC East. But so yeah, we uh, we are back for Monday, and as I mentioned last week, we got to start getting into. Breaking down some of these teams is we're a lot closer to the football season than we may realize. So we are going to start with the NFC East today. We're going to talk about the Washington football team and the New York Giants, but it is Monday. So as always, we've got Dennis and Matt here. Gentlemen, how you guys doing on this beautiful Monday?
3: No, I'm doing pretty good. I'm in a rookie draft with you. Uh, it's the oldest dynasty league that we're in together. So it's a, you can tell it's ancient. It's a one QB league, and the IDPs are all IDP flex, and there's only three of them. So we back went back to back in the first round, and I, I gotta ask. I almost offered you the one three and the one what did I have one nine or one ten?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Would you have taken that for the one two? Yes, I would have. I was man. I don't know why I was sitting there and I, I just talked myself into waiting. Cause I was debating whether I was going to take, cause I was pretty sure you were going to take Najee and I'm like, yeah. man, I really want to take Najee. And then I was like, but you know, if he takes Najee, then I can take chase. And the more I looked at my team, I'm like, well, going into the off season or going into the process, you know, I had Javante Williams really high. How much am I going to push him down because he landed in Denver So I'm like, no, I'm just going to stick to my board. And I I took Devontae Williams at three, but I really regret not offering the 102 and the 110 to get Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I wanted Chase. I I actually think my team is kind of uh, good. I got kind of killed with injuries last year, and so I don't think my team is horrible. My wide receivers aren't great, though. I mean, at one point last year, due to injuries, I was starting. I'm looking at my lineup. Larry Fitzgerald and Nelson Aguilar because of injury. So I wanted Chase, but since the Chase went one, I was like, for me, Najee Harris was the best player on the board, so I just had to take it. But I'd have, I'd have happily taken 1-3-1. Taken one, one. And I also had another trade offer, but I didn't really like it, so I ended up just kind of moving on. But, yeah, it is uh, it is definitely rookie drafts. I still have a couple going on, surprisingly enough. We are hmm. at 2-9. I was looking to see where we were at, though. Matt, how are you doing on this uh, beautiful Monday?
2: I'm doing pretty good. I still have a few uh, rookie drafts left, too. Um, then I'm going to tally up and see the shares. I feel like I did a better job this year diversifying my portfolio of rookies than last year where I think I had the same, same like, three people on every team.
3: Well, after about 10, you had no, no choice but to diversify because it's such a crapshoot after about 110. You just get yeah. there and you just got to go, whatever, I'm just going to – it and some of
2: that, players. some of that wide receiver range, I've purposefully taken different people in different leagues just to hedge my bets.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, what in the ultimate destination league, I'm a little disappointed in myself. In the fourth round, I think I took Jared Doakes because I hoped Jamar Jefferson would make it to me in the the fourth or fifth, and then it did not happen. I was very sad, very sad, because I have him in like every other league, so it was a little little disappointing. But it is, it, it is what it is. Uh, you may have. I don't know. I took Jared Dokes, and I was like, "There's no way anybody's going to take Jamar Jefferson." And then I looked back when I got back on the clock, and it's like, "No, what happened to Jamar? He's not here anymore." So yeah, I, I was I was a little sad, but you know, I wanted—I don't have any Dokes, and though I'm not one of the people who's going to tell you he's going to be the starter in Miami, I do think he could possibly have some kind of role there. So I figured I'd mix it up a little bit, take someone I didn't have any shares of previously. But again, we are going to be talking about the NFC East. This will be part one. We're going to take care of the Washington football team of the New York Giants today. Then Matt and myself will be live. We will talk about the Dallas Cowboys, Matt's favorite NFC team, and the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that's at least got a lot of intrigue around it, uh, for sure. So starting with Washington, their 2020 finish, they ended up 7-9 and nine and finished first place. They lost in what was a very exciting at least, in my opinion, wild card game with the was it was it he, not Henneke? Who was the
2: who's yeah, the corner? It was
1: is was Heineke for the Washington football team uh, against Tampa Bay. Uh, they lost 31 23. Their key additions this offseason were Ryan Fitzpatrick, Curtis Samuel, Adam Humphreys, and William Jackson, the cornerback. Key losses Alex Smith, who retired, Ryan Kerrigan, who went to Philly, Ronald Darby, the cornerback, who went to Denver. And then their draft picks were Jamin Davis, who I thought was a really good pick there at linebacker, Samuel Cosme, the offensive tackle in the second, and Diami Brown, wide receiver in the fourth. One of the big questions going into this offseason for Washington. Was they were a surprise? Will they be a surprise team? I'm sorry. Was a surprise team in 2020 winning the weekend NFC East with Ryan Fitzpatrick now at quarterback and Curtis Samuel. How will this offense change for you, Dennis?
3: Well, the you know, the biggest impact I think is going to be on, uh, McKissick and Logan Thomas. Uh, I think it'll help Samuel and, uh, Terry McLaurin, because Fitzpatrick has, he's, he's much more willing to go down the field. It may even help guys like uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden or Calvin Harmon, whoever happens to Cam Sims step into that third wide receiver role. I feel like there's a chance that McKissick and uh, Samuel are their their roles are going to overlap fairly substantially and that's going to really as much as i i'd love to you know see mckissick get 100 targets again and then have gibson's carries go up to you know like 240 250. uh, i i think gibson will probably break he's gonna push 220 i think for carries as long as he can stay healthy and he's likely to get a little bit more uh, than the 36 receptions he had. So McKissick could just be shit out of luck this this year uh, after really stepping up and playing well. Logan Thomas is, is just such a wild card because if Fitzpatrick is chucking it down the field, that means guys like Thomas and McKissick and, and to some extent uh, Samuel may struggle. Uh, but the offense overall could be much more explosive could be really good for Terry McLaurin. He could make that leap into the wide receiver once because I think what was he last season? He was wide receiver 20 and he was somewhere in that range. I think his first year as well.
1: Yeah, Samuel Samuel was. I think he finished the highest out of the three last year, didn't he? Or was that Robbie Anderson? No, Robbie
2: Anderson was 19.
1: Okay, yeah. so then I think Samuel was like twenty-three or twenty-four because he wasn't far ahead he, of Moore, who finishes. I was know Moore. Yeah, yeah they was, I know Moore finishes twenty-five. Yeah, I knew yeah. Moore finished at twenty-five.
3: So, if,
2: but if Samuel he, got the benefit of two hundred rushing yards and a couple of rushing yeah. TDs, right. which I think is what gives him a little bit of an edge over Moore. I'll be curious to see if he gets that same work in Washington.
1: Well, I, I think he's got the same offensive coordinator, right? No, that's right, Joe Brady, my bad. Uh, Well, he
3: he could get those manufactured touches because he's taken over some of that J.D. McKissick stuff. So McKissick in his, what did he have, uh, 85 carries. Take 25 of those and give them to Curtis Samuel. You know, it's nothing to sneeze at. He could be... uh, yeah. Samuel could I feel like Samuel is probably gonna be in that low end wide receiver two, mid to low wide receiver two, with McLaren McLaurin going up into the wide receiver one ranks.
2: Yeah, I think they they will definitely be a little bit more of an exciting, a little more vertical offense than they were with Alex Smith. I'm with you that the person that probably takes the biggest hit is McKissick, who a surprise. He was RB 17 in PPR last year. And a lot of that is thanks to, to dump offs. They had Alex Smith in there. They had Haskins in there. They had Kyle Allen in there. They had pretty much everybody you can imagine in there at quarterback last year. I think they're hoping for maybe a little more consistency with Fitzpatrick and probably hoping for, you know, we've seen over the years, there's good Brian Fitzpatrick and there's can't, can't find a wide open receiver on your own team, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And as you, you've we talked about before, as he's gotten older, it seems like some of those turnovers and, and the inconsistency has gone away. If you, if they could get something like what Miami saw at the back half of 2019, when he had that offense really humming, you know, that was great for Devonte Parker. That was great for That uh, I think you can see Logan Thomas Samuel and McLaren benefit. I'm with you. Probably an increased workload for Gibson. He only had 170 carries last year. For as great of a season as he had, finishing kind of as RB 13, he only had 765 yards. So he could, we could reasonably see him kind of bump up. Uh, McKissick is probably the one. It seems wildly unbelievable to think he finishes a top 20 running back again this year.
1: Yeah, I would I would be extremely surprised by that. Yeah, I, I liked the signing of Curtis Samuel. We talked a lot about it. I can't remember where I wanted. it. I think it was Green Bay was where I was kind of hoping he'd go, but I, what I was thinking of when I said he has the same offensive coordinator, he did have uh in his hand it's um, Mike Turner's son, right?
3: North um, Turner's
1: son. North Mike. Turner's son, Mike. There we go. Yeah, I did, yeah, I got the yeah, it was it was in there somewhere. It, it was it, That you know, was
3: the season I think Samuel led the league in air yards
1: yeah yeah it was all coming together in my head just not the sentence although it's hard
2: it's hard to know how much of that was not working with samuel and how much you gotta remember those two seasons the last two seasons in carolina for cam newton were really up and down and then kyle allen started out as like boy wonder and quickly became i wonder if we should be playing him by the end of that season
1: yeah, well, yeah, so that's why I think it's a good thing for him to, to be there again with Turner because they do know each other a little bit, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is I, – I can't say he's a better – maybe better at this moment quarterback than Cam Newton. I would not say overall I would still take Cam Newton's career over what – well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's been in the league for like 30 years it feels like now at this point, but I definitely think he's a step up over Kyle Allen and then – some of what we kind of got at a Teddy Bridgewater as well last year. So I like the landing spot for them. I do think that it really helps out Terry McLaurin having that serious threat option there in the slot. And then obviously adding a guy like DeAndre Brown, you know, they still got, um, God, who is the Antonio Gandy golden, who they drafted last year that a lot of people are still very high on, you know, Dennis, you mentioned Logan Thomas, his big breakout at tight end last year, and they have, very intriguing pieces there on that offense. And then adding Antonio Gibson and JD McKissick into the backfield. So I think this is definitely going to be a fun offense to watch. Can they put it all together? How often can Ryan Fitzpatrick be that really good quarterback? You know, we've talked about it a lot since on what we saw last year, in Miami, he didn't really have those bad games last year with Miami. Now, how much of that was they kept pulling him out, putting Tua in, and vice versa? Or how much of that is maybe he just not quite forcing the ball as much as he had been in the past? I don't know. But if he can kind of keep going on that ride he was with Miami last year, I think Washington's offense is going to be very good, and they're going to have a lot of very high pieces. So we meant you guys were just a little bit talking about their fantasy finishes and, and what they possibly could do. Uh, I'll go to the wide receivers first. Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 20, Curtis Samuel at 24 last year, obviously not on the same team. Then you add a rookie like Diame Brown, and then you have Antonio Gandy, Golden. There's someone else that I'm not remembering. Kelvin Harmon, that's who the other guy was, a lot of people were very excited about. Do you expect two wide receivers to finish in the top 24 again this year? It doesn't have to be McLaurin and Samuel. It can be any of those four.
3: I, I do. I I And I think if two do, it's going to be those two. Uh, I I just feel like McLaurin had 134 targets last season. Uh, I feel like he's going to be pushing 140, 145 targets. Uh, And he's going to get a little more yardage, probably get a little bump on his touchdowns. I'm not sure. uh, Let's see, did we have his TD six touchdowns? So if you bump him up, Oh wait, that's Logan uh, McLaurin, 4 touchdowns. Years. So if you bump him up to 8 touchdowns and give him 5 to 10 more receptions and increases yards per reception by, you know, a yard maybe. I think it was 12.9 last year. That that you know, you're you're pushing wide receiver 1 pretty uh, a wide receiver won pretty comfortably there. So, and then again, uh, well, we know from two years ago that Curtis Samuel can go deep because he led the league in air yards. Cam Newton couldn't get the ball to him, or whoever was playing quarterback then, Kyle Kyle Allen or whoever. Um, they couldn't get the ball to him, so he only had like thirty receptions, but he led the league in air yards. So, having two speedsters there, it. it it honestly feels like the offense could be really, really explosive and their defense. We already know they've got one of the top defenses uh, in the NFL, so they could potentially get a big boost in touchdowns across all positions playing on short fields.
2: Yeah. And I think touchdowns is probably a place where they, they make it up. that They did not have the most robust passing touchdowns. I think, I agree with Dennis. McLaren probably pushes toward wide receiver one. He's been tracking that way. I think that Samuel finishes just outside of wide receiver two range.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, for in case one of you guys didn't mention and I missed it, they only passed for sixteen touchdowns last year between
2: four quarterbacks. Yeah, so, which, which looks like light in the world on fire compared to the their fellow NFC East mates who we're about to talk well, to, who only had yes, that is twelve passing touchdowns.
1: That is true. But yeah, I mean, just to just to kind of put this in context for you guys, like looking at this. And what Dennis is talking about, how easy it could be for them. I mean, the next highest guys, unfortunately, in the receiving game was uh, was actually J.D. McKissick, although some of that I think came from the injuries at the running back position, how much they were dumping off for those few games there, which led to such a high finish for McKissick, as Matt was mentioning a minute ago. But then Cam Sims, Steven Sims, Dontrell Inman were kind of like the top wide receivers after McLaurin, who almost had literally 100 catches more. Uh, I'm sorry, 100 targets more than some of those other guys. It was literally just short of that with 90-something with those three guys. So I definitely think if you're adding a Curtis Samuel, even if you want don't want to go in Ant- Antonio Gandy-Golden, uh, adding a guy like Curtis Samuel in there, and again, I think De'Ame Brown could be really good. Now, I don't think he's going to be up there with any of the other fresh – I'm always so college mindset. I always say freshman. Rookie-wide receivers – now, I don't think that he's going to finish up there with some of those, but I wouldn't be surprised if he beats out Gandy, Golden, Sims, any of those guys and ends up being on the outside opposite of Terry McCormick. But I'm not expecting a, a big season from him. So, Matt, what are you expecting from Washington in 2021? Dennis just mentioned great defense. We've been talking about how good we think their offense is going to be. They were first place last year. Obviously, very weird year for the NFC East with injuries. Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, massive steps down. Cowboys look like they're on the bounce back. Giants, you know, we're about to talk about them. A lot of people think this is their year to bounce back. Eagles, you know, got Jalen Hurts, all the things they're doing there. What are you expecting out of Washington in 2021?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Washington still has a strong defense. I think that we we see their offense being at least a little more consistent and having a little more panache to it, if nothing else. I think they're between nine and eleven wins, pushing uh, for a playoff berth again. I mean, even nine wins would be an improvement. They made the playoffs last year, but they were only a seven and nine team. It was, it was more of a battle of attrition in the NFC East last year. So I think you see them pick up two to four additional wins this year and starting to round into shape.
1: Dennis.
3: No, I, I agree 100. I, I, I. It's going to be a contest in that division between the Dallas offense and the Washington defense. So it wouldn't surprise me if both of those teams are pushing 12 wins, uh, with Dallas doing it solely on the back of Dak Prescott's arm and Zeke Elliott's rushing. Uh, their defense needs to take some serious steps in Dallas. Um, I could see Washington, though, uh, you know, it's, a, it's not a great comparison to say, like, you know, the 95 Bears because I, that's, you just don't compare to teams like that. But it's, it feels to me like a team that, that could have a really, really dominant defense and an offense that still can explode and put up a whole bunch of points, but won't necessarily have to. So I like, you know, 11, 12 wins uh, out of Washington, uh, especially given that they could, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has never been on a team where his five interception meltdown could still be a seven nothing victory. And I think he gets that with this defense.
1: Yeah, I think it's very early, but I know when we did our uh, schedule game stuff last week, I believe I had Washington winning the division, and I think I'm probably going to stick with that. I really like this team. It's funny, actually, in my opinion, because I'm pretty sure it was 2019 I was picking them to win the division. I don't think I picked them to win the division last year. I do think I ended up going Dallas, but... I, I really like what they've been doing the past couple of years. I'm a big fan of Ron Rivera and everything he did in Carolina. So I, I like the direction that this team is going. So we're going to do a little uh, talking about what those guys did last year, fantasy finishes, and, and a little bit of over-unders here. And the first one we've got is Ryan Fitzpatrick. What do you expect out of him in 2021, Dennis? Uh, obviously, again, last year was was in and out, started out, had Miami on literally a playoff run, and then they pulled him to put Tua in. Overall, had a really good season, though. Where do you expect him to kind of fall into your fantasy ranks right now?
3: Uh, I, I think for if, – if you're in a super flex redraft league, he's a perfect weight-on quarterback QB2 target. Uh, he's going to have a couple duds. We know that. That's just who he is. But he's also going to have some big games. He's probably not going to be a Bob Lung con- consistency profile favorite. Um, but he can. He, he's That team is going to have enough talent, I think, for to, to make up for when he has those those meltdowns. So I feel like he's probably inside the top 16, but he probably is going to have a QB 10 ceiling, so somewhere between 10 and 16.
2: Yeah, I agree in QB. I, I think he's QB too. In um, his last time when he was kind of the, the full-time starter for Miami in 2019, he finished as QB 16. To me, he feels like a QB 15 to 20 finish. I, I think he could have a little bit of a higher ceiling, but you're, I just don't believe on a Ron Rivera, Scott Turner coach team that you're going to see. Them out there gunslinging it a ton. Um, I think he's a he's a good passer. I think they'll have a pretty good team. They may not have to throw it as much as say when he was with Tampa Bay and it was line it up because if you don't get to sixty, you're not winning. Like Dennis said, you, you he could have a, a poor game where the offense could struggle and only score ten or thirteen points and still win. We saw them fairly well shut down a Steelers' offense last year that at the time was going great guns and be able to win kind of a slug it out game. So I think somewhere in that 15 to 20 range is where I would forecast.
1: Yeah. If I had to pick, I think I'd put him right in that same range, 15 to 20. I think he's going to be a decent QB two, And I agree with Dennis. He's a guy, if, if you want to wait now, you're likely going to have to grab, some younger guys, if you can, at some point, especially if you're talking, we're talking dynasty here, because Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't know, is going to be long for the Washington football team after this year, but he is definitely a worthwhile target for this year, or uh, possibly even trade candidate. If you're trying to win this year, maybe you need a quarterback who you can kind of count on getting you. Per- Decent numbers all season long. You know, I had an argument about that with Mac Jones on a different podcast at one point because I, I, you know, everybody seems to underrate these guys who finish right around the middle to high end QB2s. And those guys matter because you can't have, not everybody has Patrick Mahomes and Kyler Murray as their top two quarterbacks on super flex leagues. You have to have guys who are going to produce. And I think Fitzpatrick can do that.
3: I'm getting really, really warm on Mac Jones. I, I kind of like the situation he's in. Hey, so lot. do I.
2: Especially if he ends up with Julio Jones here. And in a I
3: like the situation yeah. he's in. Period. I feel like that that offensive coordinator has made his whole reputation with a quarterback with Mac Jones's uh, skill set. I have to
2: say though, if you'd ever suffered through him being your head coach, you'd feel differently.
3: Apples to oranges, man. Apples to oranges. So I actually, I, I submitted it. I, I got an article that's going to be coming out in a magazine. And one of the rank I did rank, do some rankings and then write up some of them. And that's exactly what I wrote up about Mac Jones was that, you know, he could very well be, uh, you know, his ceiling isn't going to be QB1 or QB5. His ceiling is probably QB6, 7, 8. But his floor, is, his floor could very well end up being QB14. And that's like, if you get that for 10 years in a system where they've just, they've done that with his skill set for so long. I don't know. It's hard to, hard to. Throw that
1: away. No, I, I'm 100% with you on draft night. I feel like I was arguing against every other person on campus to Canton because they all said that Mac Jones is horrible. And I said, you guys, you know, everybody's comparing him to the top guys in that draft class, and that's not what he is. But what he is is he can be a very productive quarterback, and in Superflex, that matters. If he's QB, like you said, if he finishes a QB 14 every year, I'll take that guy in a heartbeat, especially in rookie drafts where he's going at the end of the first round in Superflex League. Give it to me. Those points matter. Second round. Yeah, I mean, middle. Everybody of the always round, looks at it and says, "Oh, well, you know, he he's not going to be like he's not going to be Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyle. Well, guess what? Likely at best, only one team in the league is going to have those guys. You can't. You're, it's not. It's not everybody can have Patrick Mahomes. So you have to have guys who can produce. If he's consistently producing at that quarterback level, it matters because if you've got him, if you don't have him, you're like, "Oh well, I went Patrick Mahomes," and then I got a. No offense, Matt. Drew Locke, who's finishing at QB twenty five or twenty four every single year. Like Mac Jones is out producing him. That matters. So I think Drew Locke is good though. That's just the only Q- quarterback that come to my head because I saw the uh, I spent
3: all afternoon in a sixteen teamer trying to trade back into the first to, to get Mac Jones at like one nine, one ten, one eleven. Here we go.
1: I'm telling you. They they have no faith in Mac Jones. They think he's they think he's absolute trash. So all right, let's uh, let's move on to the running back position here. Antonio Gibson. Uh he did uh he finishes RB 17 last year, 85 carries. Um, what is that? 856. That, McK-
2: that was McKissick. Oh,
1: whoops, my bad. Good. Go- good job, Matt. RB thirteen for, for Antonio Gibson. 170 carries, seven hundred and ninety-five yards with eleven touchdowns, thirty six receptions for two hundred and forty seven yards. Matt, can he be top fifteen again this year?
2: I mean, I think he can. What helped him last year was touchdowns, but I, I agree with Dennis. You, if he gets to that 220 and 225, carry range gets closer to 1,000 yards, that could offset some TD regression. You figure he maybe doesn't get 11, maybe slides closer to eight. Um, you can offset that. He could end up being a bigger piece of the, pa- the passing game. I think the question is durability and does he take a step up? Does he start – taking more uh, reps away from McKissick as well. They don't have a ton of stuff behind them. I know you liked Jared Patterson, who they took as an undrafted free agent. They still have the corpse of Peyton Barber up there somewhere, uh, just waiting to haunt all of our dreams. But it it feels like Gibson's
3: backfield. Yeah, I, I agree. I, Gibson with 220 carries, which, you know, he's not a little guy. He's, what, 225? Six foot two
1: twenty five. Uh, let's look here. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if he's
3: two twenty five, but I know he's. He played wide receiver in college. Yeah. So he's he's well versed in the passing game. Uh, it says
2: he's six two two twenty.
3: Okay. Yeah. So oh, yeah. he he's a big dude. He can he can lug the ball, uh, and he's he's fast. So. Provided he can run low enough to not get injured, you know that's the that's what you worry about with tall running backs is either can are they big enough to take the hit a la Derrick Henry, or can they get down when they're running to, you know, not take such a big impact when they're so upright. Uh, I, I like 220 and, and 50 catches out of him. That's gonna that will put him into you know low end RB one.
1: Uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely the receptions for me that Dennis was just mentioning that I think keeps him right there, if not puts him right above 13. At least at worst, keeps him in the top 15 like the question is. I mean, I still think he's going to get the rush. I don't know if he gets many more than 170 rushes. I just kind of feel like that is right around maybe his cap, 170 to maybe 200. But I could see the receptions coming up, especially if he could stay healthy. He missed uh, with turf toe last year. I think that was the only injury he missed with, but he missed a couple oh. games because of the turf toe. Receptions jump up a little bit. Matt like mentioned mentioned a little positive touchdown regression, and he could easily be in that top 15. I, I would rank him probably right around this range, 12, 13, 15 being the lowest. JD McKissick finishes RB seventeen. Well, before though, we move on to yeah.
3: McKissick, I, I would like to point out to the court that Gibson only played in thirteen games and got those hundred and seventy carries. Interesting.
1: Ah, just I don't I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't I'm not I know he's big. He's bigger than I thought. I did not realize he was two twenty. I thought he was more like
2: 200. So actually like the biggest running back they have. I looked up Barber's yeah. 5'11", 225, McKissick's 5'9", 175, and Patterson's not that big, I don't think either. No, he's um, like 5'9", 9, Yeah,
1: He's even lower than that, yeah. yeah I, I knew he wasn't big. He is little. Yeah. I, well, maybe I'm wrong. Then maybe he will get 200 plus carries. I just, you know, I don't know why I have this perception in my head that he's not as big as that either. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because he doesn't look it on the field. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm well, thinking of Jamie McKissick. I don't you, know. You have
2: to remember too. What's going to throw all of us off is 17 games. There's an extra game thrown yeah. in there, so that's true. The barrier to get to 220. I mean, it's going to take some some thinking about what you know, what our metrics are going to be. It's probably take a couple of years to get into a groove with 17 games.
1: Yeah. Add in the extra game. You're probably right. He's definitely going to go over 200, but it's more of the receptions. I still think that it's going to help yeah. boost him more. I mean, I, I definitely see him getting more than 36 receptions. Uh, J.D. McKissick finishes RB 17 last year, as we already talked about 85 carries 356 yards and a touchdown 80 receptions for 589 yards and two touchdowns. A lot of that did come when Gibson was out and he was really kind of viewed as the passing down back for a couple games there. He he was carrying some fantasy teams if they were using him at one point before Gibson came back. What do you guys think about McKissick? Any shot? I'm going to drop it a little bit because obviously I don't think anybody thinks he finishes RB 17. Do you guys have him finishing in the top 24? Do you think he could finish as a top 24 running back in 2021, Dennis? I
3: mean, a broken clock is right twice a day. So could he finish in the top twenty-four? He could. Uh, if I'm rostering him, I am looking for uh, the zero RB truther in my league and trying to get a late second-round pick out of him for 2022. So uh, I I feel like it's gonna he he's gonna he's gonna crush some people who are who are going well. Maybe he's not gonna get a hundred targets, but he's gonna get eighty-five and he's going to come out of next season with, like,
2: 45 targets. Yeah, I feel more comfortable saying he's on the RB3, RB4 cusp. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: They have better receivers now, too. I mean, last year, it wasn't just that Gibson was out some of those games. If you're looking out there and you're Alex Smith and you don't have the greatest line in front of you, which that line's gotten a little better, helps Gibson, but helps everybody else. You don't have the greatest line, and you're like, do I put up a prayer to Cam Sims or do I jump it off to J.D. and let him run?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's my thing. Looking at it with McKissick, I think he's clearly going to be kind of the the loser here in the Curtis Samuel signing because I think Gibson probably sees a couple more uh, catches or increases there because he'll be on the field more often. I think Samuel is going to see increases in catches and possibly carries as well, and I think that's going to come more at the detriment of J.D. McKissick than Antonio Gibson. So, yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think he finishes as an RB2. I would say at best you're getting a middle-tier RB3, and even that I think might be a little bit of a stretch this year. Again, assuming Antonio Gibson stays healthy. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 20 last year, 87 receptions for 1,118 yards and four touchdowns. He was great last year. Dennis, do you expect him to finish higher than wide receiver 20 in 2021? I do.
3: I I don't think his catches are gonna go up a ton. I do feel like he's gonna get maybe 15 or 20 more targets, which is gonna push him into the 95-ish range for catches, just up from 87, if I remember correctly. But he's gonna have uh, a little more yardage, he's gonna get some more touchdowns, and that's gonna bump him up into that low-end RB1 or wide receiver one range
2: for 2021 yeah i'm i'm in the same boat i think between wide receiver 12 and 15 is where i'd slot him
1: yeah i think i, I he's probably going to be closer to 15 but i agree with you. i was trying to pull up his his adp right now but i'm still not finding him i don't know there's no way Mom, he's so. drafted behind cooper cup is he i must have just missed him somewhere DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Allen Robinson. There we go. As uh, uh, wide uh, receiver,
2: twelve. in yeah.
1: PPR right now. Coming off, it looks like uh, he's got an ADP of three twelve. So coming off the board in the third round, it's not. It's not bad, but wide receiver twelve. I think that's fairish value for him. I, I do think that's. It's weird because I think wide receivers so good at the top end. I feel like that might be his ceiling is twelve, but I would say at worst, I think fifteen is kind of his his floor. We already talked a little bit about Samuel, but again, with uh, Carolina last year. 200 yards, two touchdowns on 77 receptions. Uh, I'm sorry, that was rushing. 77 receptions for 851 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, where do you guys see him finishing? You guys both said you think he can be a wide receiver two, correct, in 2021? I know I think Dennis he'll be did. Just
2: outside. Just outside. Um, I have him more in the probably wide receiver 30 range.
3: Yeah. I, I feel like if, the, if they are going to – up their passing game be more efficient in their passing game uh and he's the number two guy i i don't feel how he could be uh that low i feel i i still feel like the combination of you know 20 rushes for you know 180 games in the touchdown or two uh with probably pushing 100 targets so i like him at the low end wide receiver too
1: matt do you expect anything out of diami brown this year
2: matt i think he'll be involved i believe in him more than antonio gandy golden
3: wait was that question about diami brown or curtis samuel
1: no, no, Sammy. this is right now. Oh. I just asked a question. Oh. about Miami, bro. No, no, no. You were good on what you were Well, I was like, wait a minute. I was looking at something.
2: Um, I just – I still don't think they're going to – they're not going to be the Cowboys in terms of pass attempts and everything. And I think when they have two pass-catching running backs they like, I still think Thomas is going to be involved. And they have Samuel and McLaren. That's already talking about being a more dynamic offense than they were last year. So I think Diami Brown will be involved. They'll try to get him the ball in some creative ways. Um, but I think you're right. Some of those other guys are not exactly going to go away, and they'll have a rotation. Uh, I just – for fantasy purposes, he's an interesting guy to be taking in Dynasty Leagues, but I don't know if I'm expecting anything substantial. Barring injury. I,
3: I concur. I Yeah. I, I – Weren't there issues
1: with his hands? Uh, I don't think so. I think that was Daz okay. Newsome, if I'm remembering okay. correctly. But I, oh. I, I, I agree with you guys. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be... Much of anything this year. Maybe in the, I could see him being a big part of that offense in the future. But I really do think it's going to be geared more toward McLaurin and, and Samuel in the running game. Which is bench and as the guy we're about to talk about too. I, someone has to get left out. Not everybody can be top fantasy finishers. And I think Logan Thomas is likely the second or third uh receiving option in this offense and he finishes tight end four last year with 72 receptions, 670 yards and six touchdowns. He was a bright spot in 2020. Can he do it again in 2021 though, Dennis?
3: Not tight end four. Uh I believe he's gonna move into that morass of like tight end six to twenty, you know, where where they're gonna all be separated by like one point seven points per game. Yeah. So, he, that's he. He's he's gonna do okay, you know. He's a late round tight end target. You know, it's if you don't get one of the big three and potentially four with Kyle Pitts, then you know he's a late target and you look to take him at value uh, in a redraft league. But yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. A, I, I expect some regression there.
2: Yeah, it's. I, I think he finishes between seven and
1: ten yeah i agree yeah, with matt i would say 10 is the lowest I, I would not have him outside of my top 10 i think getting a guy like ryan fitzpatrick kelpson i do think he probably is still if they're not rushing the ball in the red zone their best red zone option as well so i, I like him yeah, isn't eat... he six foot six yeah yeah i expect him to keep pretty close at least good with touchdowns and then that'll you know as as dennis was mentioning with the the tight end scoring there with with everybody kind of being separated by a little bit. Those touchdowns matter for tight end, and I think if he gets a bunch of those, he'll still keep at least some decent value. All right, the New York Giants they finished a six and ten last year, second place. Key additions: Kenny Galladay, John Ross, Devontae Booker, Corey Clements, Kyle Rudolph, uh, cornerback Dory Jackson. Their key losses: Golden Tate, Dion Lewis, Wayne Gallman, and then their draft picks. Everybody's favorite first round draft pick: Kadarius Tony. Uh, Aziz uh, Julari the linebacker and Aaron Robinson the cornerback so kicking it off with obviously the position that matters most for most teams quarterback in Daniel Jones we all thought he might take a big step forward last year did not happen does he do that this year Dennis
3: well you know it's it's this year bust now I will say as somebody who rostered uh, a great number of shares of Darius Slayton. Uh, I was a, a little bit bummed out about the, the season he had last year. And, and then they signed Kenny Galladay and they draft Kadarius Tony. Um, but I feel like it, Tony, it's Tony and Sterling Shepard that are battling for a, a spot. Um, Shep, uh, uh, Slayton it has... He's the one that's got the deep speed, so you know Tony's got some speed, but he's and he's dynamic with the ball in his hands, but he's got a long way to go to develop. Uh, and Kenny Galladay's got to stay healthy. I think if Galladay can stay healthy, then then they've got with Ingram and Tony and Galladay and Barkley back, and Slayton and Shepard. They have a lot of weapons, and so it's put-up-or-shut-up time this year for Daniel Jones. Um, where did he finish last year? Let me look at our notes Here's here. It's QB 24. 24. Yeah. So I could see a QB 16, 17 season out of him. You know, a quarterback is pretty competitive. Now, Jones, you know, we're all about the Konami Code quarterback. I won't say Jones is a Konami code quarterback, but he's more mobile than, uh, most quarterbacks. Once you get past the Lamars and the Kyler's and the Russes, uh, he's in that like second tier of quarterback mobilities with guys like Trevor Lawrence and, and some you know, some guys like that, that, uh, I think Dak Prescott even probably is in that second tier now. Um, so is he going to, you know, he can get you some yards on the ground he can avoid uh, if he pulls his decision making together. I'm, I'm pretty cool with him as my QB two with a, you know, QB 16, 18 kind of finish.
2: Yeah. I mean, the pressure is really on. Uh, we've talked about there are a few quarterbacks coming into this kind of being a make it or break it year. Uh, you know, his fellow draft classmate drew lock we know a lot of pressure on him but daniel jones low-key had a a very underwhelming uh 2020 only threw for 11 touchdowns uh that offense for the giants was ugly to watch a lot last year they were a team that benefited from having a terrible division and some pretty good defense um they have surrounded him with weapons if they can get saquon barkley back you know That will make a big difference. Wayne Gallman wasn't bad last year, but he's not Saquon Barkley having more consistent running game might help them. He is kind of out of excuses. They added a lot of pieces on offense to try to boost that up. So he needs to take a step forward or else they're going to be looking somewhere else.
1: So uh, I did not pay attention to what I was doing. (laughs) No, anybody mentioned the title. I've, I've, been notified. Yes, I apologize. I put WTF, not WFT. So I apologize for all the Washington football team fans out there. That was a uh, that was a my bad. That was a. Uh, it has been fixed. I, I do apologize about that, though. Anyway,
2: thing, things happen. It's too close together. Washington, yeah. pick a damn mascot.
1: Well, well and close to my next year, right? And that the truth be told, we talk a lot more about
3: WF. WTF than we
1: do about yeah. WFT. Yeah. That is very true. I mean, Now that's I mean, just everybody. Yeah, that's- uh, I, I do agree with what you guys are saying. I hope that he uh, kind of shows us what we saw flashes of in his rookie season. Uh, I think Dennis mentioned it. I am kind of in the same boat as, as him as I have a couple shares of Daniel Jones and, and a couple of some very big super flex leagues that would really like to pan out. Uh, so I'm really hoping that he bounces back this year. And then I agree. They they have really kind of built this team around him. They've worked to rebuild the offensive line. They've given him a ton of offensive weapons, although I will say that uh, having all those weapons doesn't matter when your offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett. But that aside, he does have the weapons around him to succeed. I, I hope that he takes that step forward. He- this is, is I do agree this is a make-or-break year for him. If he doesn't, I I would imagine that means that they're going to finish pretty poorly again, and they're likely going to try and go quarterback in the draft next year. So big year for Daniel Jones moving forward. Well, I mean, if you
3: look at his career so far through two years, I mean, he threw 24 touchdowns his rookie season. Yeah. He he barely broke 3,000 yards, and that was in 13 starts. So a 35, 3,800-yard season with 20 touchdowns doesn't seem like a stretch. He needs to bump up his completion percentage, He's career 62% completion percentage. But when you add in, what, he's, oh, those are sack yards. I think he rushed for, what, 400-plus yards last season. He did, so, 423.
2: But that's the thing. In two more starts last year, he threw for less yards and dramatically less touchdowns. That is what's alarming.
3: Well, and in, in, so in his second year with an injured Saquon Barkley, he wasn't ready or able to put the team on his back and carry them. I mean, that's kind of how so he yeah, he's got to he's got to show them something this year.
2: So but, instead of Danny Dimes, he was Danny Wooden Pennies. Yes.
3: Yes, that's the worst so. name. I, I hate that name so <laughs>
1: So I will say that, and I, I heard about this the other day, and though some of this is a little bit fluky because you have to have everything go right for you, but did you know that out of all these, as Dennis mentioned, Konami Code quarterbacks, Daniel Jones is the only one with an 80-yard rush. Now Lamar Jackson does not have that. Kyler Murray does not have that. Josh Allen does not have that. Now, granted, he didn't score. He obviously, everybody remembers the famous play he tripped before getting into the end zone. Uh, But Daniel Jones is a little bit of a better rusher than he gets credit for. Uh, So I I do – he's not obviously on the same level as those guys, but go ahead.
2: I'm also going to say as a team, the Giants had more rushing yards and more rushing rushing touchdowns in 2020 than they did in 2019.
1: Yeah. So I think that this team can be better. You know, can Andrew Thomas be a little bit better this year? He was, you know, a guy that I was very high on. I was hoping the Browns were going to be – be in on him. He was not good, I think is the polite thing to say. Can he improve and help improve that offensive line? So it's a big year for a lot of these guys. And, and
2: didn't they get
1: one of the tackles back? Um yeah, Solder. is used think, to play right? for the
2: Patriots. Yeah. Nate Solder
1: Solder back this year too, because he opted out last year. So Saquon Barkley has been limited to fifteen games the past two seasons. Can he stay on the field in twenty twenty one, Matt? And what do you think that means for the Giants?
2: You really got to hope he can, Um, you know, he was incredible as, as a rookie um, and he's still a very high dynasty uh, draft pick, probably still going to be a very high redraft draft pick because the talent and the potential is there. He was hampered in in 2019 by uh, the ankle injury. Didn't always look great, but still managed to gut out 13 games. But last year You got 34 rushing yards, six receptions for 60 yards, passing, uh, and that was all he had last year. So hopefully a big bounce back here. I think that will mean a lot to the Giants, um, have more consistency. He's also a very good pass catcher, which I don't know what that means for all the receivers they have, but especially if you're a fantasy player, somebody who's on your your team, you'd like to see him put in a good full season.
3: Yeah, I – I'm, I'm going to bet on him staying healthy. And so if he stays healthy, you're looking at uh, 290 carries maybe, 280 carries. Uh, I'm not worried about the likes of Devontae Booker or Elijah Penny or Gary Brightwell, uh, Rykel Armstead. Who, uh, is, is he finally off the COVID list? I'm not sure.
2: He I'm, he was Jack Armstead
3: was from Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, yeah but no, he's he signed with the Giants just recently. Yeah. But yes, okay. he's yeah. off the COVID list. Yeah. So, if if
3: you know, I don't think Barkley is going to get 121 targets like he did his rookie season. But I could see him getting you know 75 or 80 like he did his second year, uh, if, if that's. You know, he's the best player on the team. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he got injured last year, and it is what it is, but he's still going to come back and be the best player on the team. So if he gets 280 carries, 75 or 80 targets, you know, I'm down for that.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I loved Barkley. Um, Obviously, last year – him going down hurt me in one of my main dynasty leagues i I was built around him nick chubb and zeke Elliott. all three of which sucked for the most part of last year i know mostly chubb because of the injury chubb's still amazing but it was not great it was not
2: fun. and Zeke because he averaged 65 yards a game
1: yeah it was it was not fun starting like dj dallas and i don't even remember who my other running back was for most of that season because it was bad so i i expect uh I hope that Barkley is able to stay healthy. And if he does, I do think that he will still go back to being one of the best running backs in the league. I, I wouldn't put him over McCaffrey. even though McCaffrey still has some of those, uh, injury question marks as well here the past season. But I, I do think he'd be top five for me easily. And I think it's going to be great for the giants. It's going to help open things up. Even if it's not, you know, even if he's not running the ball well, which I also think is fair to say, he hasn't always been the most accomplished rusher. He's done a lot of damage in the receiving game, but Regardless, him being a uh, uh, you know kind of a a guy right there in the short area for Daniel Jones and for him to dump the ball off to, I think is going to be huge for him and to help out Daniel Jones as well. Maybe avoid those sacks and, and possibly even fumbles. The Giants didn't make a bunch of big moves at wide receiver, though they brought obviously returning Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard, but now added Kenny Galladay from the Lions, John Ross from the Bengals, and drafted rookie Kadarius Tony. Dennis, what are you expecting from this receiver group?
3: Well, I'm not expecting anything from John Ross. Uh, it's to me, I I get it, man. You can't teach fast, and John Ross is fast, but that's literally it. He's he's fast one time, then he's injured. That that's John Ross. Uh, I feel like Slayton. You know, he's going to need to bounce back from that. Uh, disappointing season last year. You know, looking at the numbers, I guess at 50 receptions and 750 yards, it's that's a lot better than the image that I have in my head of what his season was. Um, but it, it's it's not a terrific season when I think he was counted on to be the wide receiver one uh, by many fantasy analysts uh, along with me. So. You know, it, it was a disappointing year for him. It's probably not going to, now that they've signed Galladay and they've drafted Tony and they're getting Barkley back, I'm not going to count on Slayton to all of a sudden get, you know, 80 catches. He's probably going to go from 50 to 65 and from 750 yards. Yep. He's shown the propensity to make a big play. So I, I think if he can get... 950 yards on 65 or 70 catches. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a great season for Slayton, which is going to probably put him in the mid-range, mid to low wide receiver three range, I think. Um, were we talking about him specifically or the receivers in general? Receivers in general. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to go on a tangent. I'm getting a little lost here. Uh, I. I like Sterling Shepard, but like I said, I think he's gonna um, him and Kadarius Tony are kind of playing both, fighting for that short area role. Uh, and, and until as Tony develops as a receiver, Shepard's still going to have a role, but Shepard is just not nearly as dynamic as Kadarius Tony. So when when Tony as he gets another portion of the route tree added to his uh, skill set. That's going to keep cutting into Sterling Shepard's snaps, Shepard's targets. So uh, I think if you have Shepard, you might want to hope he has a good first couple weeks and see if you can move him.
2: I don't know what you're moving him for. You know, Gary Slayton and Sterling Shepard were wide receiver fives last year um, without the kind of competition that they're going to have. Now you bring in a rookie, bring in Kenny Galladay. If Barkley's back, he's a receiving threat. You still, we haven't even yet talked about the fact that they added Kyle Rudolph to go with Evan Ingram to beef up their tight end room. That's just a lot of mouths to feed. And I'm not convinced that Daniel Jones is the guy to support a high flying passing offense. So, Galladay, to me, I, I still have him in the wide receiver two range if he can stay on the field because uh, uh, he's Kenny Galladay. The rest of them, I think, are are hit miss dart throws, deep end flexes. I don't have any confidence that Slayton can establish himself and emerge and get up to wide receiver three. He couldn't do it last year with no one else and with supposed chemistry with with Daniel Jones. It just it feels like the drafting of a wide receiver in the first round, splashing out money to Kenny Galladay when no one was splashing out huge money long-term deals to wide receivers, and getting Barkley back was an indictment that they're saying the receivers they had weren't going to cut it.
1: Yeah, I think the only one I'd believe in bringing back some kind of value right now is Galladay. I mean, I like Slayton, but I just I don't know if they're even going to scheme stuff for him deep. I don't know adding start. Or, Sterling Shepard being healthy, adding a Kadarius Tony helps him at all. I mean, it helps having Kenny Galladay on the other side, but I would imagine when it comes down to it, he'd rather be throwing the ball to Kenny Galladay than Darius Slayton. Now I don't know offhand how many shots they took deep. And then Sterling Shepard, I mean, I like Shepard, but he can't stay healthy. I don't think Kadarius Tony is going to beat him out for that slot job this year. I think Tony is probably a draft pick more for the future and being the slot receiver of their future when Shepard moves on after this year. But I, I just, I want to believe in Daniel Jones. I really do. Uh, I think he's a decent quarterback. And if he proves that this year, then I do think outside of Kenny Galladay, where I agree with Matt, he'll be a, probably a high end wide receiver too. I do think one of these guys could have a high end wide receiver three, maybe back end wide receiver two finish. I just don't know which one it is and which one I want to believe in because I don't think Evan Ingram is going to be that guy at tight end. We'll obviously get to him in a little bit, but I think Evan Ingram's time has kind of passed, at least with the Giants. I hope he, he moves on to another team and is able to kind of break out and sh- show us what he's, we saw his uh, rookie season. Daniel Jones, I'm going to do a little bit of over-under here with him. So he finishes QB 24 last year, 2,943 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 423 rushing yards with a touchdown. Over-under QB 17 in 2021, Dennis.
3: I'm going to say under because uh, didn't I set him at like 16 to 20? Yes. You know, I was talking earlier, so uh, I'm going to hedge hedge my bet take the side of it that has the most spaces and say under.
2: Well, so wouldn't under mean you think he's going to be 16 or better?
3: All right. We're not going to do that again this year.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, under means under the number. Over, 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 over. Over. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking the over too, because he could get to QB 18 to 20, but he could also, I think his range outcomes between QB 15 and QB 30, honestly. Uh,
1: That's a fair
3: point. All right. So in my defense, when we say over under, I think over is good and under is bad. Gotcha.
1: I am going to take (laughs) I am going to take the under. I'm just I'm going to buy all in on this finally being the year for Daniel Jones. I'm gonna I I think he's gonna be 15 or 16. So put the number at 17. I will take the under. Now, I'm not giving myself a lot of room, but I'm I'm going to go ahead and and ride with Daniel so, Jones this year. Are you year.
3: voting with your rosters?
1: I am very much so. It's what I do. I'm, I'm very bad. Speaking <laughs> it. <laughs> exactly. You I love manifest speaking. this. Throw it into the ether. Let's see if we can get a, get a little bit of love back from from the fantasy guys here. So Saquon Barkley finishes RB one hundred and twenty last year. Again, I was only played in the two games. Nineteen carries for thirty four yards. Six receptions for sixty yards. Over, under on, so they play 17 games this year. Let's go with 14 games. Uh,
3: I'm, gonna go, I'm going, I'm taking the over 14. I think he plays a full season.
2: Matt? I'm going to take,
3: take the over too. I think he's
2: due.
1: I really hope so. I really, really hope so. Right, so then, since we're all taking the over here, expecting him to play a full season, Matt, do you expect him to be a top five back? I
2: I think it's possible. Um, I I don't believe in the Giants, so I think it's more likely it ends up in the five to ten range. Uh,
3: top five: <clears throat> Henry, uh, Kamara. Kamara, Kamara, you know, Possibly Kamara, Jones,
2: Jonathan is, Taylor, Dalvin yeah. Cook.
1: Yeah, I will cook Taylor. Probably it. I would think so. That are all Maybe. in the discussion. Yeah,
3: yeah.
1: So like eight guys for five spots. No big deal. If if, if I had Najee
3: Harris,
2: two you know thousand yards, catches one hundred and fifty passes, I'd
1: like it. i bought all in on some one ones this year. To get to, to get Najee, so I'd be happy with it. But I don't. I don't know if he goes that high.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say let's let's go. Barkley finishing as our top five RB.
1: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it as well. I love Barkley. I've loved him ever since I saw him that his sophomore year at Penn State. I think he wants to come out and prove everybody wrong. I think he's still got one year left on his. Or I don't I don't think the Giants have picked it up they, yet, have they, or did they?
2: I think they did Be or okay. are going to. I yeah, mean, so can't I mean, imagine them.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, they're one of the organizations I could imagine not doing it. So, uh, but I think you're right. I do think that they picked it up. Uh, I would love to see him get a shot at a second contract because I think he's just one of the transcendent running backs in the game. And if he can stay healthy, Giants
2: up, he did can't. pick up his they fifth okay.
1: year Yeah. Kenny Galladay struggled to stay on the field last year due to the back injury. Some of that, I think, was just also the Lions were so bad, I, I kind of feel like maybe it was why rush yourself when you wasn't even sure if he was going to be there much longer. Dennis, do you think he sees 100 targets this year for the Giants?
3: Oh, I think he leads the team in targets. Yes, Matt, I you think agreed? He sees 100, yeah.
1: All right, so we all believe he will go over 100 because I agree with you guys. He did finish his wide receiver 101 last year, 20 receptions, 338 yards, and two touchdowns in just five games. Uh, that we, we talked about him being a wide receiver two earlier, so I will put the over under. I'm going to make you guys uh, well, over under at wide receiver 14 next year.
2: Over.
3: Yeah, I'm
1: going to take uh, just a slight over.
2: Yeah, I think fifteen to twenty was the range I was going to go.
1: I knew I should have gone fifteen. I was trying to kind of figure out what number to throw in there. I still uh, would have gone over. I, I kind of want to go under. I think he could barely break in because he broke. He was a top twelve wide receiver two years ago, wasn't he? Am I? I'm not uh, re- misremembering uh, I'm, that. Uh,
2: I'm going to look real quick. I he he had sixty five. He had a lot of touchdowns.
1: Uh, let's see. That's all I need to do is for the
2: Giants. He was wide receiver nine in yeah
1: going under, baby. I think he can get to wide receiver 12 again. I mean, they can't give well, they could give Barkley the ball every single time down at the goal line, but they brought in Kenny Galladay for a reason. He's going to be their biggest threat in the red zone. I'm going to go for it. He brings back some of those touchdowns. If he gets 100 plus targets and he's getting touchdowns, as long as he stays healthy, you know, I think he could easily finish up there in those. Uh, obviously the health is a big question, but hey, I traded DeAndre effing Hopkins and I got back Kenny Galladay in the deal. So we already know, we already know that I talk for my fantasy rosters on here. Kenny Galladay, I need you, buddy. I need you. I need you. All right. The How will the Giants use Kadarius Tony this year, Dennis?
3: Uh, I think he's going to have a very limited route tree because he needs to develop Um they're going to manufacture touches for him, probably some bubble screens, some uh, short areas, slants, things like that. Uh, and then they'll, they, they, as they implement more of the playbook for him, then they'll, they'll expand what it is he shows he can do in practice. Uh, I think if you're drafting Kadarius Tony this season, uh, in Dynasty, you're not expecting a lot. I mean, I've he's been going late second round in rookie drafts. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because I, I watched the Kadarius Tony movements in rookie drafts, and I'm like, you know, when you get to 2-9, two 2-10, two it's, it's hard to you, – you've got to just say, all right, the Giants spent a first-round draft pick on him. You've got to spend that – that rookie draft capital in in your dynasty draft. But then I see also Tutu Atwell, who was drafted in in the second round. And I'm like, I don't care if it's the 512. I'm not drafting fucking Tutu Atwell.
2: Well, you know, I took him one time and I, I sort of was filled with regret, even though that was like a fourth round pick. So I understand how you're feeling. Tony, I, I agree with you. I think they're going to scheme to get him the ball. You don't take a guy at the 20th pick in the first round without intending him to have some kind of on-the-field impact, um, unless you are the 49ers drafting a quarterback. Uh, so I, I think he'll be involved. I think it's it sucks some potential targets from uh, Shepard and Slayton. Uh, I think Barkley will do the same thing to both of them. Honestly, I would be surprised if – any other Giants wide receiver makes it higher than a wide receiver for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I said this earlier. It's kind of been my biggest issue with Kadarius Toney. I just don't think Jason Garrett is that creative as an offensive coordinator, so I don't know how they're going to scheme things for him. I mean, they were trying to scheme Evan Ingram in rushing plays last year. Maybe if they do that with Kadarius Tony, he'll be fine, but I'm not really that sold on Jason Garrett's creative offensive play calling. I, I do think Tony could do something if Shepard gets hurt, which could be a big if. We've seen Shepard struggle with injuries for the past couple seasons. Outside of that, I, I still think Shepard's going to be the guy there in the slot, and then Slayton and Galladay are going to be the other starters. So I don't think Tony does much. Maybe he's kickoff punt coverage stuff until Shepard gets hurt. What do you guys expect from Slayton and Shepard? So last year, Slayton finishes wide receiver 56 with 50 receptions, 751 yards, and three touchdowns. Sterling Shepard, wide receiver 52 with 66 receptions, 656 yards, and three touchdowns. Matt.
2: So I think Slayton will probably be right around the same area. Uh, Shepard probably takes a little bit of a step back because I tend to agree with Dennis that Tony eats into his workload.
3: Yeah, I'm going to stick with the 60 to 65 receptions for Slayton, 900 yards, maybe five to six touchdowns. Uh, I just think the team in general is going to take a step forward. Uh, I don't know how big a step, but with Barkley back, I I feel like there's going to be some improvement in the offense. You know, Shepard's going to be the odd man out, I think, unless Tony just completely flops or if it ends up being a situation where, um, you know, Shepard gets hurt or, you know, who knows, maybe Tony comes in and wows him with his deep, deep ball prowess. And so
2: that's going to be John Ross.
3: Yeah, no shit. Um, And so then that leaves Tony moving a little to the outside some that we weren't necessarily expecting. So, you know, I think Sterling Shepard might be headed towards that uh, Jamison Crowder, always undervalued, always overperforming portion of his career. So I'm probably undervaluing him.
1: Are we overlooking John Ross? We haven't mentioned him really, except for like Uh taking shots at him (laughs) for realistic.
2: I mean, let's see if he makes the team first.
1: Okay. Fair it's not.
2: It wasn't a huge investment of a deal, and I don't. You know, that was before they signed Galladay. Was before they knew they were going to draft Tony.
3: I mean, it's well within the range of outcomes. Um, I mean, actually looking at the our lad's depth chart, they have Ross slotted as the, uh, the starting slot receiver. Oh,
1: okay.
3: with with. Slayton and and Galladay on the outside, Shepard backing up Galladay. So I don't know how how much I believe that depth chart. You know, it's well within the range of outcomes for Ross to have 40, 45 catches and average 20 yards of reception. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to have a ton of targets. Uh, I think he's going to have to maximize the targets he gets. But it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up stepping into the the deep ball role uh, if others are struggling with it just because he's going to be faster than everybody else. But he needs to figure it. He hasn't figured out the NFL in three years, so.
1: Well, I mean, some of that I think is definitely injured. I mean, he had a really good start to the Bengals season two years ago, maybe not at this point, where he was going off and then he got injured. It's been the hamstrings, which I feel like obviously someone with his speed, that matters if, if you're, your hamstrings are constantly getting injured. That's, I think, the biggest thing that's hurting him. Uh, we mentioned earlier that the Giants brought in Kyle Rudolph. They obviously have tied in Evan Ingram as well, who a lot of people were high on after his – rookie season he finishes tight end 18 last year 63 receptions 654 yards and a touchdown Kyle Rudolph with the Vikings finishes tight end 41 28 receptions 334 yards and a touchdown Dennis do you think Rudolph eats into Evan Ingram's production at all
3: well you know he's got better hands so if Ingram gets the drops I could see them saying hey set up this series and then Rudolph catches a couple and then Garrett will be like, Hey, set up this one too. But I mean, Rudolph has all the, the agility of Herman Munster. So at this stage of his career, he's not getting off the line fast. You know, the only thing he really is is tall anymore. So he could, he could garner snaps. It wouldn't surprise me if he outsnaps Ingram just because of being a better blocker. Um, but I expect Ingram to, to be the leader in the tight end room when it comes to fantasy production.
2: Yeah, I think Ingram will be the leader too, but I think it really, you know, between adding Rudolph, signing Kenny Galladay, and having Barkley back, that makes the, the red zone prospects for Evan Ingram might be a lot worse. That's what I think they, you know, this stage in his career, I think that's where you're going to see more Rudolph. That's what he did. Locking irv smith might be the same kind of so you know, Ingram's going
3: kind to of decline from his one touchdown last
2: year well that's the thing the hope had to have been that maybe he could get more the, the entire pass offense was anemic they only had 12 passing touchdowns as a team so i think the hope was you know can if you you have ingram can he get better touchdown luck well now it seems like he might even have fewer opportunities
1: Yeah, I, I, I would imagine they're bringing him in more to help the offensive line block, but he has excelled in the red zone uh, the past couple of seasons. I think bringing in guys like Kenny Galladay is not going to help Evan Ingram at all. But I, I mentioned earlier, I really think that I hope that if he doesn't really do much this year, he at least is able to move on because I still like Evan Ingram. I think he's got a lot of upside, but injuries have kind of hampered him as well. Uh, just really quick, Dennis. Since we won't have you on Thursday, I know we did the the schedule game earlier, but just kind of your really quick pick on uh, where you think the NFC uh, East is going to end up finishing first to last.
3: Oh, uh, I feel I feel pretty good. I think the Redskins, the, the Washington football team, will win the division, followed by the Cowboys, uh, and then. Uh, the Eagles I feel like the Eagles are in for a last place finish so that's going
1: to put the Giants in third matt uh, well we'll talk about it on thursday all right so
2: that i don't whole, think any of us like the giants that much when we did our schedule well
1: i mean when i did the schedule thing i'm pretty sure i had them at one in 16 so that'll change because yeah. i don't think uh i don't think they're that bad i was kind of surprised when i looked i was like oh wow that's uh really 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 bad so i actually think i had them and the eagles only winning one game in that division so it's uh Not great, Bob, but that will do it for us today. As I mentioned, Matt and myself will be back on Thursday. We will be talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles, and then you will see us again back next Monday talking – what are we talking about, Matt? Which division?
2: The AFC East. So it will be Buffalo and Miami
1: yeah those are both two very exciting teams actually so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one much more than thursday's episode so we will see you guys again thursday until then everybody have a great day and we'll talk to you guys again prepare
0: for glory i do know if you got your popcorn ready do you got your popcorn ready i came out the room i he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, guys. Only they tackle in the corner. Oh, Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>